Okay, welcome to episode 8 of Ask Alex on the OneOuter.com podcast with me, Barry Chalmers, and Alexander Assassinato Fitzgerald. How are you, Alex? I'm doing good, Barry. Thanks for having me on again. Uh, how are you doing? I'm doing good, yeah. I'm, I've actually got a bit of man flu just now, a really bad cold, so uh, I'm trying that. So I apologize to the listeners if it sounds a bit off and stuff, but... Um, I'll try and let you do all the talking this time. <laughs> for a change. Yeah. For a... Um, so a couple of bits of business before we start with uh, your questions, what the show's all about. Um, thanks to everyone that's been playing the monthly oneouter.com tournaments on our sponsors, William Hill Poker. Um, five down and one left. Uh, the last tournament is on Sunday the 17th of November at 7 p.m. Uh, all the details are on oneouter.com under the William Hill Poker section. And I'd appreciate it if as many listeners as possible, even if you haven't played one previously, if you could jump into that. It's $5 buy-in and, um, you know, there'll be a few added prizes and stuff with it being the last one. And a bounty on my head, of course, as always. Uh, I looked at the league table and there's around eight players that have a chance of still winning the free hour with Alex Fitzgerald. So... Um, the eight of you, including me, I'm one of them. So that would be quite funny if I win it. What I'll do is uh, I'll probably auction it off for charity or do something big time like that if I win it. Uh, that's, a good um, that's a good idea. Yeah, or sell it, you know, for like something. Um, so there's, yeah, like eight people that can still get top place. So you should all be involved. You're essentially playing for a, you know, what's your, I want to put you now, Alex, $180? $180 an hour, yes. So you're essentially playing a $5 tournament on Sunday the 17th. There's $100 added, especially for you know for you guys. And we've only been getting you know, 15, 20 players in them. So lots of value there. As I say, there'll be books and stuff given away as well. Um, we're hopeful that we're maybe going to do a bonus tournament for Christmas, but I can't say too much on that just now as it's not finalized. But uh, we hope to do another one-outer tournament series next year as you know the response has been quite good with the guys that have played it and Hopefully, as we keep building the site and a lot more people, you know, get to know about it, there'll be more involvement next year and stuff. Um, the other thing is if you could like the Facebook uh, page, facebook.com slash oneouter, and you can also join the oneouter.com group, which is one outer, uh, facebook.com slash groups slash oneouter, um, or just search it on Facebook, the new Facebook search thing. Uh, don't forget to follow us on Twitter as well, at oneouter.com. And uh, Alex, uh, if you want to get your little bits, how people can contact you. Yeah, guys, to continue the longest advertisement in the world, uh, if you want to, sorry, I just realized our plugs are kind of long at the beginning, but so thank you. Thank you guys for bearing with us. But this really is, you know, this show really is a vehicle for our other projects and we really appreciate you guys support uh, my, to reach me about private lessons, uh, get a hold of me at assassinatocoaching at gmail.com uh, to read things that I write. Uh, pokerheadrush.com has a lot of my articles and a lot of blogs about random things. You can follow me on Twitter at the assassinato or on Facebook at facebook.com slash assassinato. And we, I post a lot of my, we're doing webinars now. We're doing, uh, if you can't afford the personalized lessons you can buy a ticket into one of these bigger webinars they're a little cheaper about half the price a little more than half the price and uh a lot of free articles we put out there a lot of articles that uh 
well, other pros have told me they're pretty mad about me publishing. It's stuff they'd rather keep private, but I just put it out there for free because I appreciate what you guys all do. And you can follow all that at those uh, addresses I just provided for you. Yeah, Alex uh, joking about you know, the long well, he's semi-not because it is a lot of plugging at the start. But as Alex said, really just trying to give you ways to get in touch with us, especially with the Ask Alex podcast. Uh, all my previous podcasts were with guests. We interviewed, you know, Helmuth Greenstein and stuff like that. And it was just me asking the questions. But this new format that we're going with that people like, it's, it's a chance for you to ask Alex questions for free. Literally, someone that charges $180 for an hour one-on-one session, you, if you've been playing, and even if you're maybe a student of Alex, it's a chance for you to, you know, tap in for like a follow-up question, or um, if you've been playing one week and some hands came up that you want to ask Alex, you can literally tweet it to me or Alex, email it to me, questions at oneouter.com, and I'll ask Alex, um, you know, hence the title. <laughs> <laughs> well played. Yeah, and it's it's a hundred percent free. I mean, it's a great service. I don't know any other podcasts that go to that extent in terms of the whole show is dedicated to questions, and Alex will just fire through them. So it's really just some people don't have Facebook, some people have Twitter, some people don't have either, and just you don't know, want to email it. And so, you know, we do appreciate the follows, the likes, and stuff like that. But really, it is a two way street. Um, it's a good way for you guys to get in contact with us and keep up to date when the shows are coming out as well people still tweet me you know when's the next show out and stuff like that so it's a great way to keep on top of things and um on that note i think that's all the plugs out the way and stuff and hope to see you in the the tournament on the 17th of november and we'll just fire straight into questions i'd, I'd like a little audio thing to play there like you know ask alex yeah, right i was just one of these local radio things we yeah. need we need a what do, what do they call that a bumper they need a I don't, I don't, yeah, uh, some, whatever they call it on the radio when they put it jingle. in. What? Like a jingle. A yeah, jingle? yeah. J- it's not called a jingle. They have some special thing for, it might be an American English term. They have something they say there for uh, American talk radio. And of course, showing how educated I am, I can't remember the word. But yeah, we need one of them. Yeah, got to get one. Um. Okay, so... um. Here we go. The first question is from Stephen Brogan. Hi, Stephen. Regular listener. Tweets, shares, likes, does lots of stuff. Um, good guy. So uh, we appreciate the support. And here's his question. Um, I'm just going to read these uh, verbatim. Uh, an ethical question popped up at the PLO 6 Max 10.25 cent table I was playing on. While in the hand, a player asks, is this a high only or a high low table? A player not in the hand responded, high only, after which the player asking bets the pot. He gets called and has the nut straight to take down the pot. Should a player in a hand be answered by a player not in the hand? Since this was online, the player could not ask the dealer, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, I think it's fair. I And by the way, Brogan, thank you for all the retweeting, reposting, uh, put in your comments and all that stuff that really does help us a lot and i i really appreciate that uh my initial reaction is that's not unfair i think if i were the other person i might be a little frustrated but uh there there's a construction worker across the street from my house who hasn't done anything the entire day but right as i start talking for the first question on this podcast he just started hammering something so sorry if i get a little scattered for a second but (laughs) 
No. My cat just jumped up on the couch as well. Are you serious? <laughs> hell at the laptop. So. <laughs> at, least, yeah. at least he didn't shove you all in or anything. But yeah. Charged podcast. We could have dedicated sound studios and stuff, but this is what you're getting, so deal with it. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it's free. If you, if you don't yeah. like the free concert, you can just leave. But I, yeah. since the person can't talk to a dealer, I think it's fair for somebody else to answer. And I think it's in. I think as another player, you should re- realize that if you don't help these kind of people, the game is not going to die out, but it's not going to do that well in the future. And I, 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 if anybody really took offense with that, I'd say, you know, of course it's not preferable, but there's no rule on the books. And I don't think ethically, I don't think ethically it's terrible. I mean, if there were a dealer there, like if he asked another player, I would leave it to the, if it were live, I'd leave it to the dealer to decide what is preferable. But since this is online and I I think at lower stakes, you do have, I think people should be kinder to each other at lower stakes, just because you all are, a lot of times you do have newer players and it's, yeah. You're probably making money from them, so you should be kind to them <laughs> at some point. So, yeah, I, I, I don't think it's unethical. I think it's probably the right thing to do to inform the person. I'm sure some people would uh, disagree with me, but I, I think they're I, – I, it's like how many edges do you really need? You know what I mean? You're at, you're <laughs> – you know, you know what I mean? You probably can really take advantage of people at uh, 25 PLO. That's a great game for a lot of yeah. a lot of people to play. But it's uh, you, you don't have to just completely destroy the guy and make him feel unwelcome. Yeah, I mean, uh, what I would say is the key point is he's asked if it's a high-only table. I mean, online, you know, with clicking in the table in the – in the lobby in the name of the game stuff. <laughs> if someone's asking you if it's high only online, he's someone you want at the table regardless. You know, if you, you know, let him see your whole cards probably and you might still, you know, beat the guy, you know, if he's asking that. So, yeah, I wouldn't think there's a, I think there's a different thing online. Like I've seen some people start typing in the chat box what hands they have and stuff like that and it turns out they have the hand. Then, then that's different, mm. you know, I think. Um, or guys that are shouting, you know, getting other, you know, the etiquette in the chat box and stuff. But something like that, I don't think there's anything wrong. I mean, I think it's just being, like you're saying, civil and being nice to someone. They're saying, is this a high only, t-? you know, is this an Omaha table or is this whatever? And I think it's just human, you know, decency to respond, probably the correct answer. Right. I, you, you imagine, like, playing Monopoly and somebody asking a question about the rules. Like, okay, technically... You, you could stay quiet and be an ass, but it's not really uh, it's not really a nice thing to do. But yeah, okay, I think we've answered this question. Yeah, I hope that answers it for you, Stephen. Um, okay, the next one is from Chaz Cairns. And again, I'll just read it out. Was recently playing an APAT event in Glasgow. That's an amateur poker uh, tour. Um, Two-day event. Uh, thoroughly enjoyed myself. Um, he hopes that he has. I hope. Uh, sorry, I'm reading this now in the rumpet. I'll just read it as he's written this. All right. I have. I hope a pleasant demeanor. Try and make friends. Less stress. Uh, and mostly found I was one of the table captains until twice when a super aggro guy ran over me and the rest of the table. His demeanor was that of a lunatic. He was in over sixty percent of pots. Not only playing aggressive but fairly annoying too. 
I couldn't handle him. I tried taking a stand only to be abused verbally and re-raised. Bluffed often with middling hands. Question is, how did I take him on? I resorted to avoiding him, which is probably weak. Mm. Well, uh, something the Dalai Lama says that I read recently that I really, really enjoy is the enemy is a great teacher. What What is this revealed to you about yourself? It seems that you're you're very you're probably very good for the game because you seem to be enjoying yourself. You you one thing I love that this guy said is you know I had a great time over the two days. I hear so many people bemoaning how slow poker is, and that really gets on my nerves because poker is a fantastically fun game, even it's even in its very slowest format, which is live poker. Uh, what? But what this also reveals about you is you really dig harmony. You really are into people getting along and having a good time, which is excellent for, you're probably excellent for the game. I'd probably love to be at your table. And I think that can make you a shark. I think if you make people feel comfortable, a lot of times you, they give you more information that you might not necessarily deserve. They might fold hands to you because they don't feel personally insulted because you're the one winning it and you've been kind to them. I think that could really help you. But what this revealed is, is when somebody comes in and, you know, does the Michael Jordan screaming in your ear, I just drove your lane, you're not going to respond well to that. So you need to find a way to either check out or the first thing you have to realize is most people I used to be one of these. Uh, I well, I'm not exactly as good of an example, but I had a friend, a Mexican kid I grew up with who destroyed cash games. Uh, we played live cash, some pretty seamy areas. Uh, it was, uh, well, we used to play with drug dealers. It's not something I'm proud of, but we, we did it and it felt pretty good taking money from them. But he, uh, he was a trash talker. And even in situations where trash talking could get him into some trouble, he knew ways to like goad the guys and get them kind, get them off edge. And I'd see him, there were professionals way better than him who would play so bad when he played with them. And the the thing was he knew what he was doing and he knew he was one of the best at it because it was all an act. But what I realized is when he went up against a lot of guys that were super aggressive and myself as well is it wasn't an act. It was some desperate cry for attention. It was, a. Uh, I definitely used to like be more of an ass at the poker table because I really got off on just torturing people. And, you know, because especially when I was younger and I was kind of dumpier and fatter and uh, didn't really have a lot going for me. Uh, it, it felt really good to know, oh man, this is one area of life I can really put people in a, in a vice grip. But uh -huh. the big thing to remember is it, deep down, a lot of these guys are just, they really want attention and you gave it to him. You fed into what he wanted. You tried, you played, I think you indicated you played different than your game. You, you said something that's really indicative is you took a stand as in you were affronted that that shouldn't be your goal. That shouldn't be your trajectory. What you should be doing is mathematically. Well, not even mathematically, logically, we should be widening our value range because this guy is playing 60% of the hands and you, you want to get involved in more pots, but you're not taking a stand. You're exploiting the situation. And 
you should just be nice to this guy. Anytime. I remember when I played American football, one of the smartest guys I knew was when we were on the line, people, you know, they say stuff about your mom, they say stuff about your girlfriend or whatever. And he would just look at them right in the eyes and go, you look beautiful today, right before he would jump off the line and hit the guy. And usually the guy was so stunned that it was pretty funny. Or he, he would just say random weird things that really got people off their game. You, you kind of played into him. But the big thing is just widen your, widen your value ranges. Anytime he makes fun of you, just, you know, play back. If you want, you know, make, make a joke that's kind of, you know, it makes something funny and or don't, don't play into it or something I do when there's, you know, occasionally there's really obnoxious people at the table. Just, uh, you know, get your earbuds out of your iPod. I generally don't like listening to music when I play, but listen to something that calms you down uh, and kind of stay out of it. Sorry, go ahead, Barry. Listen to this podcast. Yeah, listen to this podcast. Yeah, that's something I do. I listen to t- uh, I listen to talk radio while I'm uh, while I'm playing, and sometimes I, you know, I listen to people I really find intelligent or funny people. And, uh, you know, that keeps me in a good mood. I, I still am taking ravenous notes on my cell phone, so I stay into the game. Otherwise, I'll drift off. But, that uh, you know, there's always people trying to get you uh, off your game at any poker table. And that's something uh, – I mean, you're never going to take a free throw in the NBA without somebody whispering to you something. And yeah. it, you're never going to play poker without somebody trying to get you off your game or hissing at you or saying sarcastic comments. And you got to remember, this game is you versus yourself. And you beat yourself this time. This guy is just something tertiary. I mean, something on the edge. It's not. It, it shouldn't be much of your concern. This guy paid the buy-in. He can be as big of an ass as he wants. Just see how that's affecting the other players and exploit the, the situation. Yeah. I think there's... For a lot of young guys, there's a lot of testosterone at the table, and like you say, I think, like you take a stand, and rather than playing the situation in the cards, you get caught up in these personal battles, and I think it happens more live, or at least they feel it more mm-hmm. live. They get frustrated. Um, although saying that online, you know, when you play, you always, you know, if it's the same guy raising and re-raising again, then maybe some certain types of people are more likely to make a stand online than than live because they don't want confrontation or whatever mm-hmm. yeah and i think one of the most i tell my students because i get a lot of students like this we're watching a hand history and a guy guy got the best of them a few hands right and then they do something traumatic to like reverse the course and they're out of the tournament and i i tell them look i get owned every day i play every day i play somebody outplays me every day i play somebody gets the better of me once you go in expecting that to happen, you're not going to take that as a personal thing. It, it yeah. just happens. Like people, people are good at poker. People outplay. If, if people are going to outplay you, if you want to completely take away the power of some guy, if he shows you a bluff, just wrap the table and go, "Very nice bet, sir." And mm-hmm. it, 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 he was hoping to get a rise out of you, and he got nothing out of you. And there's a lot of times. Are like if a guy like three outs you on the river, just go nice hand and be very calm, call, count out the chips, and it show that that guy is usually the scariest guy at the table to me because it's like wow that nothing affects this guy, 
you know, yeah. he, he's very comfortable with himself. And you think about Antonius or Ivy or any of these guys, they're very, it, it takes a lot to get a rise out of them. And that's what kind of makes them super. Uh, and I think that's why, I mean, obviously he's nowhere near their level now, but Howard Letterer, I think, used to be seen as a weaker player just because you could visibly get a rise out of him a lot yeah. of the time. And I think that really didn't paint a good picture. But if you just laugh at someone and go, ah, oh, well played, or ah, oh, you got me again, like people just, all right, you know, this guy's having fun. I guess I'm not going to get much from him. Yeah, it seems to be that way. Uh, but let's be fair to Howard Ladder. He had a lot of stress in his life with Phil Till. You know? <laughs> I'm, th- I'm thinking back to 2004 and all that. <laughs> and I, him like ripping his hair out at a Raz final table. or what was it? He was deep in the main event. And what's his name? Steve Daneman, like Shaq raised him. And like mm. uh, Howard Letter is like veins start popping out of his head. And it, it, Ivy walks by like laughing and then like walks on. And it was like, yeah, OK, I see a difference now. I didn't when I was younger, but now I do. I remember the hand on high stakes poker. Dar, like, you know, I can't remember, you know, some bet shove or something. Like, flop and he folds, and I think he shows the hand or, you know, something like that. And Howard Ladder's like, oh, no, you know, yep, yep. And you can see he's just fuming. Yeah, yeah like, just steaming. Like, but if he, but you think about, I don't know, like, Durr's always laughing it up or like, okay, great, you know, and he, you, he's kind of scarier because of that. It's like, oh, this guy really doesn't care. Yeah, that's it. that's it. Okay, well, hope that's answered your question, Chaz. Um, we'll go straight to the next one. It is Mark Smith uh, in Ireland. Um, with the choice of poker software growing, what poker software does Alex find invaluable, and how does his use of stats change during the different stages of an MTT? That is a very open-ended question. Um, I like Holden Manager, too. Uh, it's... Uh, I I have a what do you call it a solid state drive, the real uh-huh. the really fast hard drive and that it makes it work really well. If you have kind of like an older computer, I've heard Poker Tracker Four works a little better. Uh, uh, invaluable software. Flopzilla is really good. Uh, you do need something to kind of deduce what shoves and not were good for you so my friends really like icmizer i use sit and go wizard uh sit and go wizard has some really interesting uh so what's the word some uh it, it really like lets you see into some icm situations that possibly you wouldn't have understood before because it allows you to adjust the payout structure and whatnot uh those are what I spend the bulk of my time on. It's really important you make a four-bet jam worksheet and uh, just to analyze whether your four-bet all-in, uh, your four-bet all-ins were profitable. Those are the ones I use most of the time. I'm looking at my computer now. Universal Replayer is good when you're garbling, uh, when you have garbled hand histories. Poker Strategy Equilab is really good, and it has a feature that Flopzilla doesn't have that I really like that shows you what's the, if you need this minimum equity versus this range, what will those hands be? So that helps you construct four bed jamming ranges that, that's really balanced my four bed jamming ranges and helped me realize maybe like a year ahead of many other American regs that the four bed jamming like ace deuce offsuit is actually really counterintuitive and a hand like 
queen seven suited has far more equity or king four suited or something like that. And it those tools have really helped me the most. Uh, how my my statistics uh, analysis you changes going into the later stages the session statistics is a really big deal at the beginning of the day a lot of people are playing 20 tables or whatnot and maybe their general statistics might be like maybe it'll say like 18 15 but maybe that's never how the guy plays maybe he plays 14 9 at the beginning of the day and 35 30 in his last couple tables and it averages out because 80 percent of the hands you have are from early sessions with him your best yeah. way of f- figuring out which one it is is going to the session statistics and also searching how many tables he's playing, which is why on Poker Stars you should block yourself uh, so people don't really see that if you're playing a lot of tables. Uh, pretty much I add a couple percent to any three betting statistic. If you see any, you know, he really likes this particular three bet spot, I just increase it a little more when he gets deeper because the guy's paying a little more attention and before the annies decrease it a bit and uh wherever he'd like to raise first normally add a good five ten percent onto that if it's in the later stages because most people feel the need to fight a little more later on but do check because there's some people that really tighten up uh when it gets deep uh i'm not gonna say names but there was a top five pocket fiver who like, he three-bet anyone and any everyone, but then final, like, 50 of the tournament, his three-betting range became top 4%. And uh-huh. it, it just every, it, it worked really well because everybody, including myself, just four-bet jammed way too much into him. And it wasn't until I really started checking his session statistics, like, later in tournaments, I went, this guy three-bets 4.8% of hands, no, like, in the later stages, and it's, like, 13 earlier. And most of his three-bets were like him like claiming position like 80 big blinds deep they weren't even that big of an investment so yeah the, those are the things that really have helped me yeah yeah okay so i uh, hope that uh, answers your question mark the next one um let me just read this is from peter yarosik or yarosik i assume it is wow, um, wow. <clears throat> let me see um, I've played poker for the last eight years, switching between semi-professionally and professional. I've never had a score higher than 8K, but I've grinded out 11. Um, just a few caches online in the 5K to 7K area. I mainly play online MTTs and cash games, but I also play a little live. I really just paid my bills and don't have a big pot of cash reserves or really any assets to show for it. I'm nearly 36 now and have two kids. Um, I want to spend more time with them. I think it's time to try something else. I'm not, I look to now play poker as a hobby, but I've just set aside $300 as a separate bankroll. Um, I only want to play tournaments. What's the best way to build a bankroll? Okay. Well, okay. well, well first off, sorry, there was a bit of an echo for a second. Um, first things first, uh, kudos to you for taking care of two kids and keeping the ship afloat for so many years. Uh, I can't tell you how few people can actually do that. Even if you, uh, you admit you don't have many assets uh, to speak of or a big pot of cash, as you put it, that's still a 
that's still pretty admirable. I most people burn out pretty quickly, so you must have a real work ethic or a real passion, and that's that's something that's really going to help you. And probably what's holding you back is having to support two kids. I mean, that's very stressful. I I uh, I really didn't. There was a time. Uh, the state helps me a little more now, but there was a time I was paying for more things for my family and uh, my mother can't work. So I was helping her out more and uh, it was super stressful and I was more focused on grinding every month instead of learning anything. And then the game becomes a little monotonous and your play suffers and just hanging in the game though, gives you a mental toughness that I think is really going to help you. And once I didn't. I wasn't stressing about money as much as I used to. My game really developed. So I'm just letting this person know. You, I'm speaking to you. It, more likely than not, you have more of a chance to make something here. Now, you've set aside $300. Great. We have a bankroll. Never touch it. We're going to try to grow this. Uh, I hope you found another job that doesn't, like, uh, it doesn't kill your energy and so you do have some hours to put into it i would play uh three hundred dollars but my general rule is 200 buy-ins for tournaments and i think that's actually kind of cutting it close uh but that's if you're a professional and you don't want to go broke necessarily very fast and uh it, that that tends to be a bit more of a high risk, higher stakes thing. I think you could get away with a hundred buy-ins. So, like up to three dollar tournaments would be where I start. And every time you have, you know, once you get to five hundred dollars, you can do five dollar tournaments. Once you get to a thousand dollars, you can do ten dollar tournaments. I've done this with a lot of my horses. It really motivates them. It feels like moving up. There's something to look forward to if you do win something. It uh, kind of gets you. It, it's it's a little more motivating. And if you go down, it goes without saying. You know, move down. The good thing is, I imagine you can replenish this bankroll a little more easily than if you set aside, say, a twenty thousand dollar bankroll. So it doesn't need to be as protected as much. But once you get it up to a couple thousand, think about going back to that two hundred buy-in rule. And now that it's a hobby treat it like a hobby. A lot of my friends who play chess don't just play chess every day. They read a lot about it. They're really into it. They watch great matches and they kind of challenge themselves to learn about it a little more. Try to, you probably were focusing a lot on grinding. So if you just go right back to grinding, you're going to be very tired and you're probably not going to like it as much. And it probably is going to be more of the same. If you take uh, how, take however many hours you think you can play poker per week and devote at least one-fifth of them to studying. I promise, and make little goals for yourself and try to, and then you'll have the goal of, I want to get my bankroll from $300 to $500 so I can play the $5 tournaments. I want to try this and I want to see if this works. Mark the hands, review those hands. This is the kind of stuff that I tell all the low stakes guys. I've helped hundreds of low stakes guys get into profit. It works for them. It's motivating. It's fun. It feels a little more like a challenge that you see boundaries and you see uh, logical progression as opposed to just constantly grinding, constantly trying to make money, gutting your bankroll constantly. I think one of the best decisions you could have made 
is what you did, which was finding something else to do and making poker your hobby. What What's his name? David Pham, who's made millions and millions of dollars of poker. He took some time off from poker. And when he came back, he was just on fire and final tabling everything. And I know a lot of guys, uh, what's his name? Uh, Raptor Benefield? I think he yeah. kind of quit poker and he went to school and then he just made the WSOP main event final table, right? That was the yeah. story, right? There was another guy as well, Negranu's main. I don't remember, was it Kirk something? Kirk Morrison, was it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he, like, disappeared for, like, a year, came back, and I think he won, like, a bracelet or some, or some event. And yeah, that's right. Like... That, yeah, and Negranu said, yeah, thank you for reminding me of Negranu. Negranu said, I've done the best at poker when I've been focused on other things. And I, I can say just from personal experience, I've been uh, just kind of focused on uh, – I've been trying to write – other things other than just poker stuff and obviously it's not paying me anything it's more of a thing i like to do and because i've always really enjoyed writing i've been writing in some paid format since i was 14 years old and i've really enjoyed it and just having something else to focus on every day and i'm trying to write a novel i don't know if it'll ever get done it's really just it's my chess game in the park who knows if it'll lead to anything and I just having a reason to like, you know, read different books and try to get something from that or just having something else to think about every day. When I come back to poker, poker is way more fun and I enjoy it way more because it, now it's uh, my mind is doesn't is in isn't constantly like, OK, if I check raise this C betting range of 75 percent, what is he going to fold out? Could I should I have really done that? And I'm off the rat race a little bit. I'm off the treadmill. So. It makes you feel a lot better, and I feel like my game has been much more balanced lately. I feel way more calm when I play because I don't feel like this is the be-all, end-all of my life anymore. Uh -huh. So, Peter, you need to ditch heads and play the 180, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Oh, this is another thing. Uh, 180 mans are good. There's a lot of people that play for fun. But playing on sites like 888 has like a lot of like $1 tournaments. I poker has a ton of $1 tournaments. William Hill is yeah. uh, a skin there. William Hill is an I poker skin, correct? Yeah. Okay, yeah. great. Okay, I knew they divided all the skins, so I was just making sure I got it right. Uh, but yeah, and I, I mean, you can find like these little sites, and I built my bankroll when I was 18 years old uh, playing from. Uh, the girl I was seeing at the time hated this, but uh, I was, uh, I, I woke up at 5 p.m. I started playing at 7 p.m. and I played till 8 in the morning, and all I did was play these little like $5 tournaments with like drunks, and I made, uh, I made $7,000 like my second month doing it, and I made 1,200 at my job playing $5 and $10 tournaments. It can be done. Obviously, that was back in 2006. And people were really bad back then. But also, if you put yourself in good games, good things are going to happen to you. If uh, this person had a European-sounding name, so if you play like the European daytime schedule, uh, you're probably going to run into a lot of people that are uh, not regular players because a lot of the Euros wake up at the later time to play the bigger events and stuff like that. And you, what, some of the people I know who are making the most money are in... Uh, Australia are in the pack rim schedule because people in that schedule are really pretty poor at playing poker.
Yeah. Well, good luck to you, Peter. Hopefully you can let us know how you get on with, you know, playing a little bit less and that poker as your hobby and see, hopefully you can grow that 300 into something and, uh, you know, keep getting, you know, your enjoyment from poker. Yeah, definitely check back in with us. Okay, so the next question is from Stephen Meehan. Uh, um, I, I love the podcast. Thanks for that, Stephen. <laughs> We'd like to ask Alex, other than training videos, what does Pocket Fives offer its paid subscribers? Uh, there is a forum there that I think is super professional, and I think you uh, – it was – a. It was, yeah, no, you can get, I think it's exclusive to the members that you get a lot of like, uh, like Gags30 does a lot of work there. A lot of like really good professionals do a lot of work there. There's a guy there who really kills low stakes and he helps lower stakes players. Um, other than videos, I'm trying to think. Uh, I mean, kind of other than... 500 hours or whatever it is of watching some of the best MT tiers in the world play. I don't know what else is there there, but uh, essentially the videos are pretty diverse. We, I have a lot of lectures there that are uh, they're more classroom orientated. Uh, a ton of people love those. There's a lot of stuff about, okay, you should open in these situations. You should three bet in these situations. Uh, I'm pretty, I like to think I'm more logically and numbers orientated. Uh, I don't really feel like I have the feel a lot of players have. Uh, so I use a lot of HUD statistics that a lot of people can pick up really quickly. I have hundreds of people write me and saying they're, my videos help them more than they can imagine just because they're really quick, logical things to pick up. And we go over entire W coupons and stuff like that. There's guys like Never Scare B, who I think is, I hope he doesn't mind me saying this, but he's an extremely feel-orientated player. I mean, he'll do stuff like flat four bets with Jack Four suited and make it work, and that's the complete opposite end of the spectrum. There's guys like Gags30 who have an incredible mind for, uh, has an incredible mind for how a lot of these lower six players think, and has a very logical, a lot, a very good teaching style in a very an excellent way of explaining things that perhaps I get a little too up in my head sometimes and he can really break things down for people really well and he gives a lot of insight on lower and mid stakes guys that uh, is really invaluable and then there's guys like Ape Styles who are just insanely talented like Ape Styles I think is one of the best in the world and he has a lot of the feel He'll do things that are really not by the book, but he can show you a lot of the by the book. You know, this is uh, if you add this and this, it'll work together. And he does videos with Stevie 444 on occasion, who Stevie is my pick for one of the best in the world, too. Like I he's five times the poker player I am. And I, I love watching him play. And it's so great to hear him talk about mtts and there's a lot of other people there too so yeah there's a lot to check out thanks for letting me plug my site by the way <laughs> yeah and then tune in next for the ask stevie show instead <laughs> yeah, yeah right yeah there you go get the other stevie's not much of a talker i don't know how that would work 
he's a All he's right. a very quiet <laughs> quiet guy, but yeah, he's a he's a little better. Yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, well, thanks for contacting Stephen. Anyway, um, and hopefully that's answered your question. Um, next and final question is from Robbie Clapper. What are some major mistakes beginner tournament poker players make online? Thanks for a great podcast. Thanks again. Lots of love for the podcast. That, that's good. That's good. Yeah, I love you people. Thank you. Uh, beginning MT tiers, uh, a lot of times uh, not really having a plan would be the really big problem I see a lot of guys go in. They, they go in and, you know, they kind of just do what feels right, which is a lot of raising and then – okay, this guy jammed on me who is constantly jamming on everybody. Okay, I fold. Or, okay, this guy three bets me, and I don't really want to fold. My stack is terrible for this, but I, I want to call, so I call. Okay, I hit nothing. I fold. You really want to go in more with a plan before you do anything. Like, okay, I'm raising here, and if this guy moves all in, I'm going to call. If this guy moves all in, I'm going to fold. Uh, if this guy three bets me, I'm going to move all in. Just starting to get your mind thinking like that before you do anything is really helpful for the beginning player. And another thing is when you bet, have a reason for betting. Uh, there's actually more reasons for betting than value are for a bluff. But let's just start with those two. Every time you bet, say, I am betting for value are as a bluff. Start with that. I, I have all my low stakes guys do this. I make them record it so I can make sure they're actually doing it because a lot of them don't won't do it unless I make them do it. But before they make any bet, I say I I make them say out loud, I am betting for value because X, Y, and Z is going to call me and my hand is better than that hand. So I have middle pair middle kicker, I'm betting for value because bottom pair is going to call me or a pocket pair below second pair is going to call me or a flush draw is going to call me or I'm betting as a bluff because X, Y, and Z hand that are better than me are going to fold. I'm betting queen jack on a 5-5-4 five, five, board because a lot of ace highs are going to fold, etc. Getting your mind thinking like this is the first step to thinking like a top tier player because there's a lot of times I did this with myself when I started. There's so many times it's like, okay, I'm going to see bet because um, uh, I'm not really bluffing anything. I'm not getting value from anything. Huh, maybe I should check back. Okay, now I've induced a bluff on the turn. All right, this poker thing's easy. And this will get you uh, thinking a little more about how to play. Playing too many tables is a new thing I see with these young guys. They come in. You know, they're hungry, they learn a few tricks, and they go, wow, a lot of people can't play at these low stakes. I'm just going to boot up like 20 tables. Well, Brian Townsend and a lot of other guys, uh, if you watch like all those high stakes guys uh, play, they always say like you can't play more than a couple tables. You're not going to learn anything. Obviously, in tournaments, there's a lot of short stack situations that are going to repeat themselves, and uh, you don't need to play like four tables maximum. But if take however many tables you feel like, wow, I can pay attention to everything and subtract two and try to challenge yourself to think through every hand. I'm going to open because these people are folding too much. I'm going to open because this is a good hand and I'd like to be called. I'm betting because I want these hands to call me. Um, other than that, uh, I th oh, another thing is three betting just because your hand is pretty. 
like, okay, a guy opens from middle position. I have ace queen suited. All right. I see people three bet this all the time. Okay. I'm going to three bet because I'm ahead of his range. Well, it has to go deeper than that. Are you three betting because you think ace jack and ace 10 are going to call or four bet jam into you? If you think ace jack is probably going to fold or you think that uh, only pocket pairs are going to jam into you and we're not even sure ace jack is going to jam jam into you you've just allowed your opponent to play perfectly perhaps a flat would be preferred i see so many guys the guy opens the guy uh he just three bets automatically the guy jams and then he had no plan for anything if you're going to three bet ask yourself what am i doing to a four bet jam do i want him to flat do i want him to fold clarify the reasons for every bet and when you see bet look at their full to see bet statistic a lot of guys just put google this uh, it's called uh, you need to it's called player best or you need to continuation bet statistics uh, on bluff magazine it's an article I wrote but I put these four stats on my HUD and this is insanely good for your game flop C bet turn C bet from your opponent and flop full to C bet and turn fold to C bet these are very logical once you see all of them if you see a guy folds 20% of the time on the flop, but 60% of the time on the turn, you need to double barrel or not even fire at all. But I see over and over and over again, low sticks guys just fire because, well, I always see bet. And then he calls. Oh, he must have something. No, that's not how this guy plays. Play a little better. Pretend you're your heroes. Your heroes would play the best they could play against this guy. And if you see a guy has a full to see bet of like 70%, and then a full to turn C bet of like 25, well, he makes his big decision on the flop. So if you fire a C bet and he calls and an okay scare card comes on the turn, don't just fire there because he's not gonna care. He's made his big decision and he's going with the hand. This also help it, helps you when you're calling bets. If you see a guy always double barrels, do not call the flop and fold the turn. If you see the guy never double barrels, call the flop with any damn thing you want. Call with ace high if you think it's ahead of his range. He's not going to double barrel you off the hand unless he has something much better than you. These kind of things. Oh, and pay attention to your opponent's full to three bet. If you see it's higher than 65%, start three betting some of your ace blockers and putting the screws in. Or how do you put it? Yeah, Screwing the guy over a little bit. I'm going to change it. You Just start messing with the guy a little bit. Sorry, my uh, my vocabulary today is very uh, fishy. I'm very I'm a, I'm a little tired. I don't know why. But yeah, all those things, if you can focus on those things, you're going to do much better in low six tournaments, way better than 99% of your opponents. Yeah. And I'd say listen to a few uh, previous episodes as well because yes, some of those uh, situations of like advice to beginning players as well with tackling online tournaments. I mean, we've covered that quite a lot. So if you have a listen through um, some of the previous episodes, I'm sure you'll pick up some more you know bits as well there. For that. And you know, I'm gonna give you, I'm gonna give you guys one more plug. I just sold out a webinar to give you an idea how into it people are about this, but we're going to be talking about raising specifically a little bit more about raising from short stacks or raising into short stacks. This is something that helps a lot of low stakes guys a lot. And I'm going to be doing another webinar. I guess I'm announcing it now. I'm getting the flyers made on the 30th. We sold out one on the 23rd. We're going to do another one on the 30th. And it's all about when you can raise and when you can't. And it shows 
all the math behind it, which I haven't seen in any training video like ever, I had to go talk to actual math mathematicians to figure this out because my silly United States educated mathematically disinclined self could not figure it out. But once I found it out, it was super eye-opening. And you see why super unconventional players like Phil Hellmuth, Pisagno, Negrano have a very firm mathematical basis for what they're doing. And you want to check out the flyer, go to my website, pokerheadrush.com. The date is going to be changed on that flyer. So don't be worried if you can't make it on the 23rd. But look on the flyer, and we give some hypotheticals. And it's like there are occasions where you'll have an ace on the button with a big stack and you should not raise if you don't have any other plan for what else to do. If the guy's going to three-bet you and you're going to fold, you're just going to lose money every single time. And there's going to be cases where you have king-three offsuit in middle position with 15 big blinds, and you should open. And I haven't seen anybody on a training video advocate these spots, but I'm going to show you you can do it and you can start making money that is not available to anybody who's traditionally educated at MTTs, and it's super effective at lower stakes and it's super effective in majors the weeks after i did this work about a year year and a half ago i final tabled the party poker sunday major the 250k guaranteed which has a ton of players and i final tabled the titan poker major like it was like in consecutive weeks or the same week i can't remember and in both of them i had short stacks the whole time and i didn't have any hands but this kind of work getting me away from this 2006, 2007, oh no, do not raise fold from 19X is what got me there. If that sounds super interesting to you, and one of the first things you should be learning if you want to be good at tournament poker is raise folding from short stacks and raise folding in general are just opening. Hit me up, uh, write me at assassinatocoaching at gmail.com. It's $99. My last lectures were $250 and we sold those out too, but I made these 99 because I knew this was more for I want everybody to be able to come and I want to sell out a couple of these but also I enjoy doing these they're really fun and I think 99 is pretty affordable for everybody so yeah come on out check it out uh, if you follow me on Twitter and Facebook you're going to see those ads probably a lot until this one sells out I'm, ex I'm hoping this one's going to sell out again I would not be surprised if this one sells out again so yeah, pay attention. Get your money and get your spot. Yeah, definitely check that out. Um, the last closing thing I'd like to say is we touched on it at the start. Hope to see lots of you in the tournament on the 17th of November, which is a Sunday, for the last one out of tournament. And good luck to the eight people, myself included, that I've still got a shot points-wise of uh, getting the free hour with Alex, free one-on-one -on -one session. And thanks to everyone else who's played, um, you know, maybe you want to try $5 and you can still get points. And what I'll do is I'll give something to like second and third place as well. I mean, first prize wins the one hour with Alex and a six month subscription at pokerxfactor.com. But um, we'll give something to second and third as well. I'll I'll dig through the, the one hour war chest and find some random prize that's lying. All about. right. All uh, right. You know, something like that. Also, when you're on there, oneouter.com, I've been promoting it on the um, Facebook group and the one the Facebook page as well, is the daily updated schedule of free rolls. So for a lot of these guys, you know, they email in and you're starting with small stakes and stuff. Someone emailed me in, a couple of guys actually, I, I've not heard from him, so he's maybe blown all the money since. But <laughs> he, 
he was playing exclusively free rolls, and he got up to something like seven hundred dollars in the space of three weeks, or you know, something like that, with literally no money invested. So check that out on the site. There's lots of free rolls, and they're not just on William Hill; they're on lots of other sites as well. And you'll find that under free roll schedule or schedule of free rolls on oneouter.com. So definitely check that out, especially with Christmas coming and you want to spend some of your bankroll on presents and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> so any closing remarks, Alex? Anything you want to say? No, that's pretty much it. Oh, and guys, one more thing about that price point. My hourly lessons cost $180. If you sign up for that webinar, it's probably going to be two and a half, three hours for $99. So you're getting to talk to me, ask me questions, see research that's cost me 50 hours of my life. Uh, for $33 an hour and a lot of people really into this deal and I really I can go back to playing poker I love playing poker but I like making stuff for you guys too so you guys have shown me a ton of support you keep showing me support I'll keep doing stuff like this and I really appreciate it and that's the other, I think that should be the closing remark you guys have really come out in droves since we started this show I get so many tweets about you guys showing love for this retweeting the articles sending uh all the advertisements and stuff around thank you from the bottom of my heart thank you my family really appreciates it i i'll keep making free content for you i'll keep angering the other regulars with the stuff i put out as long as you guys keep retweeting and reposting and all that stuff and thank you for all the positive comments and all the go get them go get them that you guys send and send me sorry i can't talk today i i really appreciate it from the bottom of my heart thank you yeah that's cool and i echo those words and once alex releases the new post that in the one outer group and stuff as well so you guys will be able to see all the details of that and uh, remember follow each of us on twitter as no doubt we'll be promoting it there as well okay we'll see everyone next episode um this one will be out round about, what's today's date? It's the 7th. So I'll hopefully have this on for like 8th or 9th of November. And we'll probably do another two shows maximum for 2013 and then close it down and, you know, have, have a nice holiday. And then in the new year, there's hopefully going to be a few more developments and stuff. And we're going to keep the show going and uh, working on a few other exciting things. So I'll see everyone next episode. Cheers. Take care, guys.